right on. All right, good morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you could go there. Verse 1, again, this is part 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says in verse 1, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have, if I give all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. Are you with me this morning? Are we awake? Are we ready to talk about love? Are we ready to talk about agape love and parenting? <laughs> you were with me until that part, were you? Yeah, love. Agape love. Parenting. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so today is part two of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hopefully today we don't, I want to shed some light. I want to give some encouragement. I want to give some really practical perspectives on uh, love in parenting. Now, I would argue, and if you want to argue, we can talk after. Uh, I would argue that there's not one person in this room that this, that this does not apply to. Whether you have kids or you do not have kids. Whether you're newlyweds or whether you're children or whether your children are grown and they're grown children. Every person in this room is called to lead, called to uh, father or mother. Yes, they're obviously their biological children, but also the children that are all around of, of them, all around them, at your church, in your immediate uh, extended family. And truthfully, the greatest understanding of being a parent is the true understanding of being a child of God. And so today, this is for all of us, uh, but maybe more in the perspective of parenting, um, specific parenting, as we head into this um, glorious holiday season, right? Not just with Thanksgiving, but with Christmas and that glorious gap in between uh, where you count down the days. Love is patient. <laughs> Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. This is a lot different when you read it through the lens of being a parent or parenting, right? Again, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. <laughs> Shoot! Like, and I won't be, I won't judge you if you just want to rush to the altar and, and, and just spend some time with the Lord. I had a head start because I've been preparing out last couple weeks for this, so just know we're in the same boat. It is <laughs> it's not irritable. It is not resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. That we can all agree on, right? As parents, like, <laughs> there's nothing that's not funny, bud. That's, <laughs> that's literally not a good thing. Um, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. And, there, and again, <laughs> there's no greater joy than to see your children walk in truth. And in this pairing, in this agape love, we understand this fully when we read that. Love bears all things. Parents, love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. So Lord, as I uh, just take a few moments to encourage and edify and lift up the body of Christ, the church this morning, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would divide in our minds what is, what is true and also what is to be and become true. May we this morning be truly encouraged, not even as parents where we should be, but where we could be. May we not get lost today on what we've not done as parents. And if there's, if there's repentance or apologies or hard conversations that need to be had with our kids or even our own parents, may we have the guts and the boldness and humility to humble ourselves to address that. But may today be more about this day forward. Specifically this day until your birthday. That we celebrate your birth. These, these days are hard. They're very difficult and exciting and exhilarating as parents. May we just stop in the, in the midst, before we even get into this season, just have this understanding, Father, through your Holy Spirit and understanding of what this is all about. What's the beacon of hope in this? So I just pray that over the body this morning. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I have a prop this morning. I have a couple props this morning. Um, one might require uh, for you to judge the safety of the individual talking right now. Um, but I promise you, no more spray paint, uh, no more uh, attempts of me being an artist. Um, today I will be a gymnast, all right? Uh, <laughs> so just a little teaser. I have with me uh, something that's very, 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 very near and dear to my heart. Um, it's a, a small New Testament Bible. I received this um, when I was six years old. Um, and on the first page it was written my name and, and, and by my parents and, and what church we were at, at the time. But as you can see, like, that page is kind of ripped. I think this was my brother's fault at some point along the way. But I received this Bible when I was six years old after I had, uh, at six years old, under, had a basic six-year-old child understanding of the gospel of Jesus. And the basic understanding that uh, beginning a relationship with him was to ask him into my heart to ask him into my life. And so I did that. I prayed. Um, I grew up in uh, a small town uh, called East Dalton, Illinois. 
And uh, this is in the, the bottom of Illinois, very, very close to uh, St. Louis, home of the greatest baseball team ever, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. And we can argue after church about that as well. Um, but I love you, and you're wrong. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals has, has been more than just a baseball team for, for my family. It's been a part of the culture. If you live in that area, um, you, you're just, by default, you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And so, um, even if you don't like baseball, and, and I mean that, like, even if you don't like baseball, you're still a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And so, uh, I have five children. Uh, my oldest three are boys. Um, they are at that age where they're discovering and, and becoming consumed with sports. And it's exciting for me because I love that, uh, and I'm with them on that. I love sports. There's something about the competitive nature of, 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 of an athlete that just drives us, right? And so, uh, m- me and my boys took a road trip this past uh, April, and we went, I wanted to take them to a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game. Um, and I also, uh, we, so we squeezed a lot into these, these few days, and, 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 and believe me, there was a lot that happened um, on that road trip, because every road trip, a lot happens, right? Um, so it was me and my three boys, uh, we rented a car, and we drove uh, the 11-hour drive to my hometown in southern Illinois, near St. Louis, Missouri. Now, along the way, um, that was the ultimate destination, was to go to that game. And it was, it was awesome, um, even though they played a Canadian team and they lost. Like, it was kind of a downer. But we, we worked through it because my kids are half Canadian. And we, we're, we're still, I'm still adjusting to that. I'm, I'm working through it. But if you know, if you've ever been on a road trip, like, even if, like, that thing is the ultimate goal of your trip, you know when you get back, it's the other things in between that become the, like, the thing you talk about for years to come, right? For me, on this beautiful spring day, driving through my old, small, little, podunk, cornfield-surrounded town, um, I started reminiscing a little bit about the church I grew up in. And I, and I started reminiscing about this, not just necessarily this Bible, but this experience that I had uh, growing up at this church. And the things I was taught, it was a great experience for me. Um, it was in uh, Roxana, a little town called Roxana, Illinois. And we were driving down the road, and it was, uh, this is like almost out of a scene from a, from a movie. Uh, it was so, it was such a beautiful day. And again, April, it's still snowing here. But down there, it was like a beautiful day. People were outside doing landscaping. And we're driving along, and I, I know that the church is coming up on the left. And I'm, we're driving through, and, and we had some places to go and some, and some people to like meet up with. But we had just a few minutes. And so I'm pulling up alongside of this church, and there's, it's a really small church, even smaller than this. And um, there's a parsonage next to the church. Now, the pastor of the church, from what I remember being six years old, he had gray hair. And to me, as a six-year-old, he was like this gentle old man, right? Um, and apparently he just grayed early in life or whatever, and he wasn't, but that's just the way I perceived it. And so uh, this, the, this pastor was, is, is obviously still alive, and him and his wife, and it was the craziest thing. Like, I'm, I just turned 35 this past week, and so we're talking a big, pretty big age or a time gap. And I'm driving along, and there is my pastor and his wife, elderly couple still living at the parsonage they, they gave them the pastor there for a long time they're still living in the part i'm like wait i'm like like scratch my eyes like is this real life 
and they're, they're, they're planting flowers in the, the parsonage in the front yard. Like, you don't seem as fascinated as I was. I was like, are you serious? Like, Lord, for real, we're, we're pulling over, right? So we pull over to this, this, this place, and I get out of, of the car. Now imagine they're, they're, like, if they said the name, they may recognize the name, but they're not imagining uh, this uh, many years later. Um, and so I park the car, and I get out, and all uh, three of my boys are getting out on that side, most on that side of the car. And I can just watch as, as, as he stands up from gardening and turns around and looks at me. There's almost like this startled look, like, ah! <laughs> and, and then I think he, he was a little bit at ease as he noticed some, some children um, uh, that were with me that, like, you typically don't, like, cause harm to someone. Never mind. Uh, so I began to, I said, hello. And um, he says, hello, do I know you? And I said, I was like, I don't know. I was like, my name is Corey Eric, and, um, and he, he literally just stopped. And he was like, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, okay, great, great to see you. And, and we had a great conversation. And his wife began uh, to enter into the conversation. And <laughs> she says to me, she says, well, where, how long are you here? Like, are you just, you're just here for a couple days. Um, uh, and I know you're, you're moving on to the next thing. But would you like to go, I still have keys to the church we used to pastor. Would you like to go inside and see it? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So we go into this church. And we go, like, in the places that, like, to me, at a young age, seemed to be huge. And now it's like everything was really small. Like, you know how that is? And um, I literally remember the moment walking through and even correlating this Bible with the memory of this small church of beginning the, to, to lay the foundation of, of faith in God's, uh, in a relationship with Jesus and being baptized there. Um, I remember making that decision at a vac vacation Bible school, and that's the reason I received this. Um, <laughs> if you pray a prayer, they give you stuff, right? So, um, but no, for real, I, I asked Christ to save me, and I asked him to come to my life, and I remember walking back down an aisle and up into this, like, uh, it, was a, it was a study. It was like a library of the church. And I asked the pastor's wife that day, back in April, if I could take my boys up there. And I have a picture of this room, and there it is. Now to you, this has no deep significance, but to me, this has tremendous deep significance. Like, it, it apparently looks like some type of office now, but for me and my boys sitting there, this was like a monumental moment that I will always remember. And I wanted to see it. But what I really wanted to do is I wanted to lead my kids into this room where I was led into a relationship with Jesus, a beginning to that relationship. Now, obviously, they were like already bored 30 seconds into it. Um, and they're like, all right, when are we going to this baseball game? And we, we left. But for me, it was like this, like that, that is what it's all about for me. And so today, I just want to invite you as a parent, as we read through, as we study, as we digest 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when we talk about the agape love as parents, or maybe soon to be for you, maybe it's soon to be parents,
Um, or maybe your parent train hasn't, uh, isn't relevant right now. Um, may, may we first understand that all of those relationships that are around us, those are the people that we're leading, that we're encouraging, that we're essentially bringing into the, those rooms in our life. Like this room was significant. This, this like cheesy 90s Christian band was like significant to me in the moment. This moment, this word, this verse, this relationship brought me to a place of a deeper understanding of the word of God and his reality in my life. And, and honestly, you have no idea. Maybe you're new here or maybe you've been here for a while. This room, think of the hundreds, if not thousands of people that over years and years and years have come into this room have walked to an altar or sat in a pew and their relationship with the Holy Spirit in their life became so real. If that's a picture, if that's not a picture of parenting, I'm not sure what is. That we're just inviting these kids into an environment of something that we've already been into. Something that we're where we already are. And so this morning, um, just in review of last week, um, we talked a lot about uh, the different points of love, of agape love, right out of 1 Corinthians 13. A couple of things that we had said was that love woos us in. Love woos us in. It invites us in to not just approve of their flaws, but to see and accept the sum of all that they are. Think about this. Step outside of parenting for a second. And if you weren't here last week, I'd invite you to go online and listen to this perspective of that sometimes we, we want ideal, to idealize people, especially um, if you're new in a dating relationship or new in a marriage. It's easy to like idealize the person. Like, and, and I'll compare it to this side. Like, like that, that over here you have this like this dream and this belief of who you think that they are. And then like over time or over certain situations, you realize the factual, the actual, the reality, the worldly perspective of who they are, right? Both of those things are arguable, uh, arguably needed for agape love. Both of those things are factored in for agape love. So, love woos us in to not just approve of their flaws, but to see, the, to see their beauty, their flaws, their shortcomings, and accept them for the sum of all that they are. It's not just one thing. It's not just the other. It's just a mix. That's full agape love. God's, God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he dreamed and, 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 and wooed us into his love and redemption, but recognizing that our current state, the actual state, the factual state, the reality of who we were in that moment because of our sin nature, because of our decisions, that we were sinners. But that agape love is both of those put together, and that's the love that God shows us. And that's ultimately the mirror that he's inviting us to when he says love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is, irritable. It is not irritable. It is, resent it is not resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. That's what he's inviting us into. The walking in truth part, the joy as a parent, the joy as a father, that's a God perspective. Because he knows both sides. He knows both sides. So us as parents, us as parents, we have to see that love at its love is at its best when we take all the beauty and the brokenness and fully receive them. All of the beauty and the brokenness and fully receive them. All right, so it's note-taking time. Are you ready? So uh, a parent, a parent today I'll use as uh, uh, an action. Uh, a, a, a parent is a, a verb. So today I want you to have the understanding that you need to, we need to, I need to parent not just who they are, but who you dream for them to be. Parent not just who they are, but parent who you dream for them to be. So you're taking the actual, like, whether your child is 4 or 14 or 34. You're taking into account the reality of the decisions that they may even be currently making. Whether those decisions are completely destructive as an adult, or whether those decisions are completely destructive as a 2-year-old. Okay? We're all in the same boat. Like we understand that some of those decisions, some of those choices, some of those things that they do and maybe even currently are. It's not their identity, but it's the things that they are doing right now. You factor that in with just, that's reality. That's the worldly perspective. But you also have in mind a bridge to this eternal perspective. This thing that you believe for them to be, that you're inviting them to be, that you ultimately are desiring and dreaming them to be. It's a reality that overflows of what God has made them to be. So in those two extremes, both if you're here today, even if you don't have um, children, if you are one of those children, understand that maybe this will bring some clarity to where maybe even your parents fell short. Because honestly, as parents, we're, we're, we're doofuses sometimes. Like, for real, we don't know. Like, we don't know what to do with this. We don't know what to do with the actual, factual, like, decisions and choices and mess that, like, mess that they're making. We don't know what to do with that. And so sometimes we, we, we yell at them, or sometimes we, we, we discipline, but not discipline how godly discipline should work. We discipline and bringing immediate anger, immediate consequences, raising our voice, throwing things or, or doing things that even cross the lines or, that are wrong, just plain wrong, immoral, hurtful, damaging to their soul. We do that out of a response of we don't know what to do with the mess. But then sometimes you read like parenting books or like you give yourself a pep talk or you, you like think about or dream about like, oh, they're, they, they really are pretty great. they're just really awesome like ah they're just they are perfect yeah and you get to this reality of like you idealize them like I know someday when they grow up even though they're doing this now when they grow up they're gonna just be man perfect they're just gonna be amazing parents no I mean all of us adults we were kids once we know that the mess we were as kids in the same way it's it's a temptation to be the same type of mess as an adult the reality of our humanity, 
And even in Christ, making us new, even in Christ, we become a new creation, the Holy Spirit filling us, we still have sometimes the same messy tendencies in our sin nature. And that, as we, as that creeps up, as that rises up. So today, as we parent, not just who they are, but who they, who you dream for them to be. Not just parent the earthly reality, but the heavenly reality, the eternal reality of who we desire and dream for them to be. But sometimes, I think people don't know what to do with each side of it, right? So, I'm going to invite you. Who's nervous? <laughs> All right. So, I'm going to invite you. Okay. We're all right. Last week, I was an artist. What are you, are you helping me? Okay. <laughs> all right. So last week, I was an artist. <laughs> this week, I'm a gymnast. Are you ready? I, I know this is ridiculous. But sometimes you need guerrilla theater to just prove a point. And you know me, you know I'll try to prove a point. If this, is, if this is the reality of who they are now or the choices they're making now and this is the reality of like who we believe and desire them to be, we dream for them to be, we live in the space between. We live in the space between. And I want this to be etched in your brain right now. That parenting is not this being so lost in the mess of just managing what that mess looks like. And it's not just this. It's not just this, this inner belief that, oh, they are God's child. They're they are just going to be, oh, there's no mistakes coming their way, just nothing but prosperity, nothing but amazing things are coming. Like, you can't, you have to have the agape love, which is both. It's an understanding of the deep, Love of God that flows to you and through you. But it's also the through you part. You're the, you're the messy one. We're the messy one. And as we try to parent, not just who they are, but who we dream for them to be, we ultimately need to know that we live, we parent in the space in between. You got it? You got it? Can I get down? Okay. All right. Are you nervous? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So. So as you parent in the space in between, I just simply in the next 20 minutes, I want to I want to outline for you visually no more of that. I won't get up there again, I promise. But hopefully you'll remember that. I want to just illustrate for you what it looks like to parent in the space in between. How do we parent not just who they are, but how do we parent who we dream for God and who he wants them to be? What does it look like to live in the space in between? It looks like a few things. Imagine a child, imagine your child standing in this very spot. There's a few different angles as they stand there, there's a few different angles 
that you parent them in this way. And as love is patient, kind, not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it gives this idea that love surrounds them. Psalm chapter 33 and verse 22, in light of God's love, it's this challenge to us, this understanding at the end of the, this amazingly beautiful chapter in, in chapter 33 of Psalms, is, it's this idea that God's love surrounds us. And if we are to love our kids, we all love our kids, but what God is calling us to is an agape love, the same kind of love that he loves us. And if God's love surrounds us, then we have to surround our kids with the same agape kind of love. Are you with me? 1 John, I'd like you to turn there. 1 John chapter 3. It's towards the end of the Bible. Three Johns, Jude and Revelation, just to give you an idea. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 1. First John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. I love the first part of this verse. It just, it's like this challenge. It's this declaration about this love of God that surrounds us about this agape love as parents to our kids. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. See what kind of love the Father he has given to us. God's love is not just this like laser shoot from heaven that just got sent down for, to rain on us and to consume us. You know and I know the thing that God gave us he gave us life. That has no, like, like his life has no beginning and end. He is an eternal God. He's giving things to us. He's giving us his son. Like he's giving things to us that we tangibly can't necessarily touch. That has no beginning and no end. Even Jesus, who had 33 years, rose from the dead and is now seated. Like Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So everything that he's giving to us, it incarnates. Where's Katie? Where's Katie? It incarnates. This is like her favorite word. It is so real to the ministry here, and it's so real to God's agape love to us. It incarnates. It, it's, 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 it fleshes out its love to us, and it surrounds us. See what kind of love the Father He's given to us. Do you see the kind of love? He's given us the love that completely surrounds us. So, let me start with this. Agape love. Parenting your child the right way. Or excuse me. Parenting not just who they are now, but who you dream for them to be, is first of all, you're in front of them. You're in front of them. You're declaring to your child, and this is my challenge to you, you're declaring to your child that is behind you, you're saying to them, I'm leading you. I'm leading you. Now this, like, as parents, like, that kind of goes without saying, right? Paul, the Apostle Paul, 
two chapters ago, or we're back at 1 Corinthians 13, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he, he says this really bold thing to these young believers, these new believers. He says, I want to invite you to imitate me. Like, there's a lot of t-shirts, there's a lot of, like, ideas and understandings that as believers, we're to follow Christ, right? And we are. But Paul, in that instance, had the boldness to his spiritual sons and daughters, he had the boldness to say, imitate me. So it goes without saying that as we stand before and in front of our children, that we have to be in a place that we're imitatable. I don't know if that's a word, but today it's a word. My question to you is, are you imitatable? Are you worth imitating? Let me challenge you today that if you immediately feel, this is not a self-esteem thing. I'm not talking about how do you feel about it. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you with this question. Are you imitatable? It's a litmus test. If your children turn out exactly like you, which there's a pretty good chance, pretty good chance, how does that make you feel? But in, your, in this challenge, let me remind you of the agape love that surrounds us. That God is concerned about today. Conviction through the Holy Spirit about yesterday, for sure. A, a sobering a sobering moment that I feel, that you may feel. But he's worried about today. He's concerned about today. A God who's infinite, that's not finite like us, who's not trapped in time, who's not in this like, oh, tomorrow will get better. God is not trapped in any of that. He's looking down, zooming into our realm, zooming into this moment, zooming into this day, zooming into this moment, zooming into your heart, and he's, there's no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. He's not condemning you. He's challenging you. Start today. You don't have kids yet? Start today to be the dad or the mom to someone else's kids. Conduit kids. Goodness gracious. If you want to sign up to serve, see you in the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to challenge you today. Today, be imitatable. Be the person that people aspire to be, not because of your personality, not because of your giftings, but because of your love, because of the love that surrounds them and speaking to them specifically in this moment, leading them. Um, I, I mentioned to Jake Felt if we had that picture yesterday. Is it ready? I have a picture, another picture I want to show you from yesterday. Um, this is uh, the Felt family, uh, minus Jake. Um, and they, uh, this is from yesterday. Um, is Ellen in here? Where you at? Right there you are. Hi. How you doing, Ellen? Uh, did you know I was doing this? No? Okay, cool. <laughs> Even better. So I just saw this picture, and it, and it really spoke to me, because yesterday, uh, as we <laughs> fed, or gave people the opportunity to be fed on Thanksgiving, um, over 1,000 people, and over 500 of them are, are children. Um, it wasn't just the fact that people get to fill their bellies. It was so much more than that. It was the love that was given and received and surrounded them in many different ways at the back of a laundromat 
that counts as church moment. Now, um, these guys were on the inside of the laundromat. We were paying for people's laundry, helping them do their laundry if they would let us. And these guys were doing um, glitter tattoos and face painting and, and balloon animals. Um, even like before, trying to, the kids was awesome, inspiring to see them like try to uh, learn how to do that. Um, this, guys, that's a picture of leading. That's a picture of leadership. You're doing it in your life, and I want to encourage you with that. Um, the thing about this picture I thought was really significant was this. Um, I don't know if you're like me, and, and you're like this side of it, like you're in the human, like the actual, factual perspective. But sometimes, because I want to make such a big impact on this world, sometimes I get lost in the little things. Um, and, I, and I think that sometimes it's easy to look at events like yesterday, even though we served that many people and helped that many people, it may be even easy in that moment of serving to really think that you're insignificant. Or, or, or excuse me, to think that your impact is insignificant. Can I encourage you with something? But sometimes leadership, and I've had to learn this, sometimes leadership in what you actually do doesn't change the world. Maybe it changes a handful of people. And so you've got to ask yourself, we have to ask ourselves as parents, if I, only, if I don't change the world, but I change my kids, have I changed the world? Yes. And so don't question, parents, for a moment, the significance of those insignificant moments. Don't question for a moment that leadership isn't necessarily standing on a stage or selling millions of, of, of record or albums or whatever kids listen to these days, right? Maybe it's not, nobody, maybe nobody knows your name. Nobody even thanks you. It's still significant. It's still greatly significant. And what if, what if it changes nobody that you, like, you're leading, right? You're leading your kids. You're in front of them. You're leading the charge. Maybe it changes nobody but you. That's significant. I'm sure some of you parents that have grown kids uh, and ha maybe even have grandkids could attest to this. That, like, the luster, the silver lining of parenting isn't that someday your kid is going to be the next Michael Jordan um, or the next LeBron James? It'd be tragic, but um, that too. Um, or the next whatever. The next great. But what if your kid is the next kind you? Significant you. That only comes through standing in front of them leading and this doesn't just come, leading doesn't just come with, I'm going to show you the way. Sometimes leading is literally fighting off everything coming at them. Parents, we have to be a seawall for our kids. Not, not create a bubble. This, like their love surrounding them isn't a bubble you're creating. But maybe there's some things that you just got to shoulder. Maybe you got to not be cool for a season with your kids. Maybe you got to not be so... Um, want to be so liked 
for a season with your kids. And honestly, maybe for your kids, you literally, like even though you're metaphorically standing in front of them and you're shielding them, but honestly, sometimes in order to protect your kids, sometimes you got to remove yourself from the situation. It's not about you being right. It's not about you, your ego. It's not about in any place for you to provide that for your kids. It's about truly leading them to something or truly shielding them or, or taking the brunt of it for your kids. Okay? Next thing. So if I'm leading my kids from the front and my child is now led and is shielded by the right things and I'm taking like the, the power of the waves, I also think it's significant to be completely and so behind them. Behind them. If you're behind them, you're an encouragement to them. Your words, your position to them is so important. Maybe today, like the greatest way that you are behind your kids is through a nice word of encouragement. Maybe it's through a kind text, kind message, a phone call, just to tell them you love them, to tell them you're proud of them, to, to affirm who they are. Guys, like that's what kids are after. And they may want that through this Christmas. They may want that through an iPod or a phone or a new car, depending on the age of your child, whatever. Um, but what they're really after is your approval. Never, ever, ever, ever let them wonder whether you approve of them or not. parent not just who they are now, but who you dream for them to be. And love, it woos us in to not just approve of their flaws, but to see and accept them for all the sum of that they are. For the sum of all they are. Um, last week we just took a moment to say that sometimes accepting them is different than approving of what they're doing. But when you accept them, you speak that out. You tell them. You do that through your words, that you're completely behind them. If, they, if your child was to be asked, whether they're young or older, if your child was to be asked, who's, your, who's, who's like behind you? Who's your supporter in life? I hope and pray that the first thing off their list or the second or third or fourth or fifth is mom and dad. And here's where I want to speak to those in the room that maybe feel like, okay, parenting today is not super practical for you. Maybe you're not a parent yet, or maybe your kids are grown and they're on their own, or maybe you've not been, um, you've not been in a spot where you, you can or are a parent yet. Hey, there's people in this room right now that have not been led well by their parents. There's people in this room right now that have not been shielded by the waves that have come at them. And your word of encouragement, of communicating that you are so behind them, that's greatly significant in their life. That's the agape love. That's what that means when it says love is patient, love is kind, and that it doesn't boast, that it's not resentful. And that love never ends. There should be this constant flow of encouraging words. Now, here we go. Next thing. Um, you are not only to be the leader in front of them. You are not only to have the guts to say, imitate 
me. You are not only to have this, this opportunity to shield them from the things that are coming at them, but truly behind them, speaking into them encouraging words. But also, I think personally, this is one of the most significant things that you can do. Stand right with them. Right beside them. Right next to them. You are with them. Like sometimes we have no idea what to tell our kids. Sometimes we have no idea what to say to our kids to communicate that we're so behind them. But here's the best thing we can always do, even though we're leading in front of them, even though that we're behind them, we are so with them. This, this is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God with us. Emmanuel, this moment of Christmas where we understand that Jesus didn't come riding in the earth on this like rolled out red carpet like, your king is here, I'm here to save the world. No, he was born in a barn. He was raised humbly. He was a man that had many people in his life that were difficult, that were hard to get along with. He is so with us. He is God with skin, but he is so with us. And in that skin, he is present with us. Parents, this is our privilege. This is our opportunity to literally be with our kids. Now, some of you have kids that are at the age where you're like, get away from me. Like, I don't want you with me, so to speak. You don't have to literally be with them always. Okay? Only discernment comes with the, the age and the child that you are, um, that you have. But I would say, on the other end of it, let's be with our kids. Let's be with our kids. Like, the, the gone should be, gone, gone, gone should be the days of as a young man and his 30s or 40s or 20s when our kids especially when our kids are young where we cannot wait to establish 14 different hobbies hobbies are fine hobbies are great we all have them i do too but i want to challenge us that first our hobbies should be our kids our hobbies should be that moment where our kids, like, yeah, again, there's, even at every age, sometimes our kids are like, all right, Dad, it's time to go. Like, move along. But honestly, your kids will always cherish those moments where you made it a priority to be with them, to be next to them, to incarnate Christ in what he is to you and what you are to them. This is the challenge. But when you communicate with your kids, not just I'm with you, like I want to be with you, I want to hang with you, I want to I do fun things with you, I want to create memories together, but also when the times are difficult, when the times are hard. How many of you guys have uh, teenage kids or kids in the 20s or 30s? Raise your hand. You, you're in a unique spot especially, because obviously when the kids are like eight or seven or two, and like they're going through a hard time, you know it. They run to you, and like you're like, all right, seriously. Like you got to get over this, dude, and you got to move along. Like you can't get them off of you when they're going through a hard time. But when they cross into the teenage years, perhaps, or 20s, and certainly 30s uh, and 40s and on, the, 
the, the, the, the, the, the action step as a parent is to step into your child's life and to just com- simply communicate, I'm with you. I understand. I, I've, I've been there. I, I know what that feels like. It, it, and you know what? I've made the same mistake. Nothing brings you down to the level of your child at any age, but when you communicate with them that I'm with you, or I've been there, or I've made the same decision. And you know what? On the other end, they may not receive it. They may not receive it or like, oh, cool, you got your heart broken too when you were 18. Can you tell me about that? Oh, mom, dad, that makes it so much better. Thank you. That will never happen. It's not going to happen. But I can guarantee you is that when they lay their head down at night and they're contemplating, what do I do? What do I think? Where do I go with my life? It will be greatly significant if they know, even if you made mistakes in that, if they know that you've been there, they know that you're there. Sometimes kids don't want to talk it out. Sometimes kids need to think it out. They need to pray it out. And we need to shove them towards that as well. To like, in their relationship, in their walk with God, sometimes they got to figure it out with God and that just running to mom and dad isn't always the best and appropriate thing. But when you are with your child, you're communicating that that's what God does. That's all you're doing as a parent. If we're inviting them into those rooms, all we're doing is we're saying, hey, I'm going to be with you because Christ is with me. And if Christ is with me, he's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He's not going to, like, be in a spot of even judging me. Because if I'm in Christ and I've made that decision to follow Jesus, there's no condemnation. And everything that that you do or I do, God somehow, because of our faith, God somehow, because of our faith, he sees us as a son. He sees us as a son. Remember? First John chapter 3, see what kind of, see the kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. If that's ever a moment to communicate with your child the love of God, that's the moment when they've completely screwed it up, when they've completely messed it up. Your extension of grace of just saying, I'm, I'm with you, I ain't going anywhere. That's the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That's communicating, I'm never going to leave you or forsake. You will always be my son. You will always be my daughter. Because I'm always, because of my faith, I'm always a child of God. That is the gospel. We are with them. We are leading them. We are so behind them. But may we never, may we never, ever be above them. May we never look down on them and judge them. This, up here, may we never be up here. May we always, whether they're a 4-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 24-year-old, may we always get down at their level. May they always understand that we make mistakes. May they hear these words, I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Pastor Cameron said uh, several weeks ago that I don't even remember the context, but you were talking specifically about uh, <laughs> in order to be a good pastor, you have to learn these words. 
I am so sorry. <laughs> it's like, it's so true as a pastor, but it's even more uh, true as a parent. You're, you should never, ever hesitate to apologize to your kids. If you've messed up, own it. Because honestly, if you own it, they'll probably allow you to be with them. But one of the greatest barriers of being with your child is this like, I don't, I'm, I'm above you, I don't mess up, oh, what's that like? Oh, look, you, you made the bed, you gotta lie in it, so to speak, perspective, like that's not healthy. But when you bring yourself down to the agape love of Christ, that love surrounds them, it's in front of them, it's so behind them. Um, I, I just wanna, Called, or I want to use a couple examples of this and then I'm going to close. And these are just practical, like literally just completely practical examples for you during this holiday season as a parent. Especially if you have young children because that's where I'm at. I, mean, I have a two-year-old and all the way up to an 11-year-old. So this is super applicable. So if you're, if you're in this boat, I just want to give a couple examples and then I want to pray for you. And then as I pray for you, Bryce and the team will come up and we will um, close. Um, for the kids that you have, do you have a... Um, I stole this idea from a pastor. Um, do you have a verse for your kids? Do you have a verse for your kids? Um, just to find a verse to pray over your children, uh, to read to your children, to challenge them with um, whether they're young or old, and it's not too late. If your kid's 22, hey, I have, I have an idea. Close your eyes. Ask the Lord to show you a verse that, that God has for that child. Maybe it's 22 years late, but it's not too late. Um, and God will show you. I believe this. On the day that every single one of my kids were born, I, no matter where, what hospital, what it, whether it was in Dunkirk, um, at Brooks Hospital, or... Um, my daughter was born when we lived in Phoenix. And so it was a hospital there. I found a place in the hospital and I sat down with my Bible and I said, and I prayed and I said, okay, God, I'm gonna just gonna skim a little bit and I want you to show me. I want your Holy Spirit to speak to me and I want, him, I want you to spotlight a verse for my child. And I'll be honest with you, it's been greatly significant for my family to be able to find a verse for each one of my kids or, or for a couple of them, it's a chapter and honestly, it's, it's, it's this amazing prophetic moment where God takes all of his word and he makes it completely relatable through his relationship with that person. And I want to challenge you to do that this season, maybe even today, for each one of your kids. If you don't have kids, do the same thing. God, what do you want me to know about the child that's coming? What do you want me to know about the, maybe the kids around me that maybe not even are my kids, but I'm, I'm called to help lead and encourage and come alongside of and lead and come and be so behind um, them as well. Um, another thing I would challenge you um, just briefly. Um, well, let me just say one more thing on that. So when you, when you begin to, does anybody have that, like a verse for your kids? Um, if you have a verse for your kids, you begin to think about it. It's more, it may even be like way more for you 
as a parent, as you lead them and as you pray for them, as you encourage them, as you're under them and you lift them up, and maybe all those perspectives for them that you live in the space in between who they are and who, what you dream for them to be. But in that space between, a lot of times God's word in that moment allows you to lead them to that spot. Um, I remember the moment that um, for each one of my kids, it was a completely uh, relevant for that child. And at the, like at the time, they're like, they're like hours old. But it blows my mind how even like my 11-year-old, how God's word speci- specifically in Psalm 1 uh, was so relevant for his life and will continue to be relevant. The next thing I want to um, challenge you to do, one of the things that um, I know sometimes like people ask as pastors, they'll say, okay, how do I lead my family spiritually? And, they, and like a lot of times there's this, you want to like have this great grand formula. Start by praying with your family. Pray with your, your wife. Pray with your children. Make it a daily habit. It doesn't need to be an hour and a half session on your knees before the Lord crying out um, for the entire sixth grade. All right? It doesn't need to be that yet. Um, maybe it's as simple as uh, at night, I get my family. Uh, we have this like playroom. And upstairs of our house, they're ready for bed. Um, we tell them to go up and just read their Bible and just for like 20 minutes to spend time with the Lord. And then we yell, um, Aaron, huddle! And as soon as we yell, they all come like, like running into the playroom and we get in a circle. All, everybody minus Mabel, who's two, that would be a complete kibosh on the whole thing. Um, so everybody but Mabel gets in a circle and we literally just go around the circle and pray. Um, and to be honest, I can't think of too many times where it's serious, um, but it's those moments where you're allowing your child to hear you pray and they're praying themselves. They're thanking God for simple things, things that you don't even think to thank God for. And they're reminding your faith grows and their faith grows. Um, and then there's this other thing that we do um, and we, we kind of stole it. It wasn't necessarily our idea. We kind of tweaked it a little bit, but something that we do and I want to challenge you to do uh, with your kids or something like this. And we call it the one up X. So every night we get, my wife and I get in each one of our kids' bed at the same time, so there's three of us in there, and we, we lay down with them and we do the one up X. It's three different things. One up X. One is what is the, what is the thing that you're most grateful for today? What is the thing you're most grateful for today? Because honestly, I think as parenting, uh, instilling gratitude on your kids is like one of the hardest things ever. Um, so what is your one and your up? What is up? Up is um, where did you see God down here today? Where did you see God today? Through a situation? Through maybe he, he healed you or helped you or led you or helped someone else? Where did you see God today? <laughs> that one is awesome. That one is so much fun because all day, guess what? They're looking for God. They're looking for where to see God today. And then the last one is X. One up X. X is, you could think of it like, um, what is it, America's Got Talent, where they're like, eh, eh, and they have like the four X's or whatever. X is the moment of your day where you just need to, honestly, confession. Confession. We always tell our kids, like, it's a safe place. If you tell, if you tell me that you did it, 
before I find out you did it, you're not going to get in trouble. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge. But in that X, here's the goal. I want my kids, I want my kids to be good at saying, this is where I'm falling short. And this is where I'm asking God to help me. This is where he's making me new. And this is where I'm being open and honest about. I don't want my kid to lay down at night and feel guilt and feel shame when they have the power to become free. Not because they're telling us, but because they're getting used to telling Jesus and the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of them. So that one up X gives us an opportunity to have a very um, clear inroad into our kids' lives. Steal it. Make your own. Make something practical today. I know that sometimes we leave a, like a big idea um, or we take uh, specifically today 1 Corinthians 13 and all the aspects of agape love that surrounds us and see the love of the Father that he has given, us, given to us. That would be called the sons and daughters of God. But I want to challenge you to walk away with a practical aspect in this moment. Maybe for you it's a message Maybe for you it's a phone call. Maybe for you it's writing down three goofy things. Um, maybe it's creating memories during the season. Maybe it's for you it's this moment where you just want to sit down and you want to be creative of what God is asking you to do as you lead your family spiritually. As you parent not just who they are and not just parent who you dream for them to be, but how you live in the space in between. Let's pray.